Greetings and salutations, my brothers and sisters out there in Gamecock land. This is J.C. Sherbert. This is the final word. South Carolina comes off the bye week with a huge game. It's a huge game every year, uh, and it's big again this year for South Carolina. The Gamecocks play at Georgia, the reigning dominant team, two-time reigning SEC East champions. Kickoff is at noon in Athens on ESPN. Uh a little bit, uh, probably about 24 hours from the time I'm recording this episode of The Final Word. Once again, The Final Word is a product or a episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, 24-7 sports podcast, connected with thebigspur.com. Of course, Tony Morell and I have the big show, I guess you call it the big show, uh, every Wednesday. And uh, The Final Word during the football season, of course, comes out Friday and we're probably going to have some more things that, uh, as we move forward with the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, which is relatively new, where it's going to kind of evolve into an almost daily type of thing. So you can look forward to that uh, in terms of uh, this podcast. Uh, and as always, you know, with this podcast and all 24-7 sports podcasts, it's free. There's no subscription that you have to pay to listen to it. Um, we just want listeners and we want listeners out there that listen to a lot of Gamecock podcasts as well. So we appreciate all of you that have tuned into this. And, you know, the idea, I think, that would be cool, you know, a, a lot of us out there listen to sports talk radio uh, all the time uh, during the day when we're working, working out, whatever. This is sports talk radio on demand, you know, without callers. But eventually we're going to get to the point where we're going to have callers. And you could literally program it up, man. Uh, you can go uh, if you start rolling this out daily, and you know we get a little more of the JC and Morgan, and then all the other college football and um, Gamecock podcast out there. You could roll up three or four hours uh, in a day listening to excellent sports talk radio and commentary right there on demand. So you know, say you're driving around for work, you got to get out, go see a client. You can pause it, and you won't miss a word. So I think that's the idea. With podcasting Gamecock land now is that, you know, it, it's it's time for great content, great audio content. And I certainly hope that Tony and I and whoever else we have on this podcast um, deliver for you uh, in terms of football coverage, baseball coverage, basketball coverage, recruiting, you know, whatever we get to. Well, we talked about the game earlier this week and, you know, the Gamecocks are 24-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, I, I totally understand that. Uh, I think Georgia has proven, you know, this year and, and the last couple of years they're one of the, you know, better teams in college football. I still think they're a notch behind, say, a Clemson or an Alabama, maybe even Oklahoma. Uh, I think, obviously, they beat Oklahoma, which lots of teams do because Oklahoma plays no defense in the Rose Bowl, and they got to play for a national championship, and they were close. But they didn't win it. You know, this program has not won a national title since 1980. I think that's why they thought they needed a guy to come in uh, and replace Mark Rick and uh, try to take it to the next level, and that guy was Kirby Smart. You know, you look at Kirby Smart, obviously a lot of Gamecock fans know that he was in the mix for the South Carolina job and was going to take it until Georgia opened. Um, I will also say those that criticize Ray Tanner for it uh, don't really understand how coaching searches work. Um, even if you had gotten Kirby Smart to be the coach, and even if you would have announced him, and then Georgia came back and said, ah, 
well, we're going to fire Rick and we want to hire Kirby. You would have had a Bobby Crimmins type situation on your hands. Uh, and it's, it, 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 you know, Georgia is a better job than South Carolina. I think Georgia, in terms of how it's set up, is one of the best jobs in the country, obviously. Uh, having lived in the state of Georgia, you know, that's the dominant program and that is a top talent producing state. And it's a good brand and they've been pretty good for a long time. Uh, good fan support. Love what they've done with the stadium, especially at night down there with the new lights. I think it's kind of the next wave of stadium enhancements with the LED lights and things like that. But, um, you know, it's it's a great job. And that's nothing against the South Carolina job, which I also think is a good job. I mean, Kirby Smart was obviously going to take it. You know, so he saw something in it. But not only is it a great job and a better job, it's his alma mater. I mean, he played there. And he coached there for a season. And he, you know, his wife's from there. I mean, you just – you can't expect, you know, even if you know, people kind of get on Ray Tanner a little bit about, oh, he waited too long. Even if Kirby had agreed to terms, I mean, you're looking at an even worse situation if you announce him and he, you know, ends up spurting you and going to Georgia. So – There was nothing to be done about that, and Kirby Smart's done a really good job at Georgia. He inherited a really good situation, obviously. But, you know, he went eight and five his first year, and then they got better, you know, and and they did have a lot of players. Mark Rick recruited. He did inherit a really good – I think Rick's recruiting – last recruiting class was in the top four. We had guys like Jacob Eason and stuff, and he's continued to recruit well, and that roster is deep and talented. Is it – as deep and talented as Alabama's? No. Is it as deep as talented as Clemson if you're just talking about talent and depth on the roster? Yeah, I think so. Do they have as many difference makers offensively as Clemson does? Probably not. Um, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. And you got to credit Georgia. They have dominated this division. There have been two games that have been within two touchdowns the last two, three years, this year and the previous two. One was at Missouri last year, 43-29 game, which was a game that, you know, Missouri and Georgia kind of fumbled and bumbled up and down the field, and it was, to be as high scoring as it was, it was really rather sloppy. And then there was the the game in Athens with the Gamecocks, I think, uh, in 2017, which the Gamecocks went in there and played physical and hard and tough, just didn't have the offense to, to really get it into the fourth quarter, you know, and Georgia – kind of slogged their way to a win. And, you know, that was kind of an in-between game for the dogs. So, you know, it, it was those are the two closest ones. They've blown Florida out. They've blown Tennessee out. They've blown Vanderbilt out, et cetera, et cetera. So Georgia's the big dog. This is the, this is the team you have to beat. And I was uh, on thebigspur.com today, and I, I responded to this thread i guess somebody on a podcast was talking about south carolina oh you're basically the nc state of the sec and no matter how good i do you're not going to be florida and georgia and look i disagree with that and i'm gonna say this i i was not high on florida in the preseason i i did not think they were top 10 team i did not think they had beaten anybody of note after you know they beat the gamecocks i you know, had one good win last year with 10 and 3 but you got to give Dan Mullen credit. I mean, they they don't they don't always play well. They make a ton of mistakes. Uh, they've had injuries, but they find a way to win. 
I mean, that Florida team, you know, uh, as as flawed as I saw them, you know, that Florida team could have gotten beat by Miami, found a way to win. Could have gotten beat at Kentucky, found a way to win. Really could have gone down to Auburn uh, on Saturday. Florida did not play masterful, mistake-free football. Auburn made a lot more mistakes, and Bo Nix obviously got rattled. But they found a way to win. And if they go to LSU this weekend and find a way to win, I mean, they're a championship contender this year. You know, teams like that, I mean, it doesn't matter sometimes. You know, I think there's too much of a focus on style points. Even really, really good football teams at times have to find a way to win, and that helps them as they move forward. You know, I, I, I will, you know, people were beating up Clemson for beating North Carolina by a point. They found a way to win. You know, had South Carolina not blown, you know, happened, let's say Jake Bentley's pass to Shy Smith was complete and the Gamecocks got a last second touchdown, beat North Carolina. Hey, look, they found a way to win. I mean, I don't think anybody's complaining, you know, about that. I think people complain after the opener in general because you don't really know what you have and who you're playing. But, you know, when you find a way to win, that can be contagious and get things going. So, I do think that Florida, if they continue to do this, could end up taking that second spot. That's unfortunate because you think back to last year and the Gamecocks had them down by 17 and were dominating the football game in the swamp. You know, in the week before, they lost to Missouri by 21. So so you look back and you go, man, you know, in November of last year, nobody was talking about how Florida was going to ascend, but they have found a way to win. And that's what South Carolina need, needed to do. And, and I think Will Muschamp, to be honest, in a lot of games that a lot of you don't care about because you know they were against non-ranked teams, you know, I thought last year's team, Ole Miss, Tennessee, you know, they found a way to win. Missouri, you know, I, I thought all three of those games last year, the Gamecocks found a way uh, to get things going, going. And so I, uh, you know, kind of look at it and. Um, you know, that was a trait, I think, of of, of last year's team under Muschamp. I really think the, the 2017 team, um, with the exception of the Kentucky game at home, found a way, you know. Um, and I think a lot of Gamecock teams over the years, if you think about it, when they've been good, they have found a way. You know, the Lou Holtz teams, 2000-2001, a lot of the Spurrier era teams, like, found a way. They found a way to get it done. How many times Steve Spurrier come in the press conference and go, well, you know, didn't play particularly well, but God smiled on the Gamecocks today. You know, I mean, that, that happens. And, and, and that happens everywhere, even at the Clemsons and Alabamas of the world. You know, there are no super teams in college football. If there were, nobody would ever, ever come within a point or a touchdown of beating anybody. Uh, or any one of these teams. So, you know, we'll see kind of how, how, how this, this plays out. But um, I don't agree with the concept that the South Carolina is, per, you know, perpetually stuck in purgatory in the SEC East. You have four games every year. And I know Missouri won by 20 this year. And, I, you know, quite frankly, had the offensive game plan been better, I think South Carolina wins that game. Um, and you're like, well, it was a 20-point spread. Yeah, but it was, you know, it, it was about to be a one-score game in the third quarter, and you call an RPO with your freshman quarterback who clearly 
you know, hasn't been on target all game, you give him that chance. And I mean, that, that play still pisses me off. I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I just, I can't, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, as bad as things had gone, they had 25 yards of offense in the first half. You, you throw a big play to Brian Edwards, get a touchdown. Then Missouri comes right back and scores, sure. But then you're right back down there knocking on the door. Helensky had played great on that drive. You can't line up and run it. I mean, you know, you, you take the field goal. I mean, the field goal, all right, so instead of it being 31-14, it's 24-17. The defense kind of maybe gets charged up and stops them. I mean, Missouri wasn't going up and down the field. Um, you know, and in that game, you, you know, your offense gives up two touchdowns. Uh, so other than that, it's a, it's a very close competitive football game, even as bad as South Carolina's offensive game plan was. So, you know, you look at it, and, and, and it's, it's you know, Missouri, Tennessee, and, and Tennessee out of these whole all, all these four schools obviously is historically better. But, I mean, my goodness, they are a dumpster fire. And uh, they have been for quite a while. And every year you hear about how they're going to be good. And you can say the same thing about Florida. I mean, you can say the same thing. Everybody, and, you know, I don't know that we won't be sitting here talking about, well, Florida got off to a good start, didn't really finish all that well by the time the season's over. But, yeah, I do think Mullen's done a great job coaching that bunch. And I think Kyle Trask is better than Felipe Franks. And I've always thought that. Um, and so that's good for the Gators. But I, I don't buy that, you know, you know, when you have four games every year, every single season, that – you know, you're a better – you're set up better as a football program. Um, and, again, somebody somewhere, maybe Jeremy Pruitt in a few years along the line, will, will, could get Tennessee back because historically they are good and the great programs always tend to rise again at times. But, you know, we're going on like about a dozen years now where South Carolina is a significantly better football program than the Volunteers. And, you know – there was the embarrassing Spurrier losses to Butch Jones. Um, and then Muschamp's actually come back, and he's 3-0 and against those the Vols. I, don't, I think he's 7-0 in his career. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, you kind of look at it, and, you know, so Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, and thank goodness the Gamecocks broke that streak. But I think we see when you look at Kentucky this year, that's going to kind of be a cyclical thing. I think Mark Stoops is an excellent coach, and, you know, who knows if he'll take another job or not. But, but you know, he built it. He had a bunch of seniors. They won 10 games. They won some games where they, you know, persevered and won that year or last year. And, and you know, they take, they're taking a step back. And they have had some injuries and some things like that. But, you know, they're taking a step back. Um, and then there's Vanderbilt, who's the worst team in the SEC this year and probably will be most years. So you got four games – against division opponents every single year where you're like, hey, you should win. Now, they don't always win. And I hope Missouri doesn't become the bugaboo team like Kentucky was. But in in, in years where South Carolina's good or decent or, you know, surprising things don't happen, Carolina usually beats those four teams. So, so that's a 500 conference record, which in the SEC doesn't always happen. So then you got A&M as your permanent opponent and – Hey, goodness gracious, I know A&M's got a great recruiting base and big-time recruiting classes and the $75 million man Jimbo Fisher out there. And, you know, every year we talk about how the Aggies should be good. And the, and the Aggies truly are a sleeping giant in college football. They are a gigantic Texas school 
they have just as much money as the University of Texas. They have passionate fans. They have a gigantic stadium that they fill up. It's loud. It's a tough place to play. Um, they do have a lot of tradition. Um, and under R.C. Slocum in the Southwest Conference, they in the Big 12, they, they won some titles. You know, A&M has, some, has more in the trophy case than South Carolina, that's for sure. And you can't deny, you know, they're 5-0 and against the Gamecocks since they joined the league. I mean, all but one of those games has been close. But, you know, they've got the Gamecocks number. So I, I think that, you know, when you kind of dig into it realistically, though, that, that's not like having LSU and Auburn on, on the schedule. Um, Auburn has down years. Gamecocks tend to uh, seem to avoid them during their down years. But that's still a t- – Gamecocks, that's the one team um, of the original 12 from 1992, you know, when the Gamecocks entered the league. They've never beaten Auburn since being a member of the SEC. They've beaten everybody else, including Bama and – LSU and uh, all these teams. Now, they hadn't beaten A&M yet, but A&M came in the league in 2012. So, like, you know, the long play there, you hadn't beaten Auburn. So, I'd rather have, rather have the Aggies, I think, than, um, you know, Auburn or LSU or Bama as your permanent opponent from the SEC West. So, that's, uh, you know, that's a game with A&M that if you look at it and you look at the history of the two programs, you look at the scores of the games – it's been a toss-up. A&M's won by, you know, seven, eight, or seven, eleven, seven, and three <laughs> the last few years. I mean, so it, it's not, you know, it's not a situation where that's you look at that and go, gosh, it's, a, it's unwinnable. No, it's not. And then you do have Georgia on the schedule, and then whoever your rotating opponent is. And, you know, in the years that it's Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Arkansas, that's probably a good thing. You know, right now Arkansas is really struggling. Ole Miss has been better than I expected. And I think Mississippi State is still pretty good, but I think that they're going to start a slow decline, um, in my opinion. Uh, you know, not that they're coaching and a good coach and they don't have good players, but I think that, you know, they're, they're kind of looking at eight and four and they got a tough division. So, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. And I understand Clemson. And I understand that if you look at it in terms of recruiting, North Carolina is going to be an issue now. Because Mac Brown and, and his staff, they're, they've already won three games, folks, and probably should have beaten Wake, Clemson, and App State. I mean, they, they had the chance. I mean, they, they could be sitting here in, in the top ten right now. Um, and so that's going to be problematic. Clemson's problematic. Georgia's problematic. But, you know, you go win games and you put a good product on the field and, you know, you can win your share of those battles. So I don't know. I think South Carolina um, is not in the abyss or, or in kind of this purgatory that some people think um, in terms of a program. Now that's not mentioning the current coaching staff or this year or the current state. I'm just talking like you look at the South Carolina job you know, let's say there is an opening at some point in the future. I don't think you look at it and go, oh, my God, it's just you have no chance. I don't think that's the case at all. But, hey, you know, when we do podcasts and things, sometimes we need punching bags, and, and I, I certainly must champion the Gamecocks right now are an easy punching bag. 
All right, so this game, tomorrow's game, let's get back to that. You know, you look through the SEC matchups between these two teams. South Carolina's won four times in Athens, um, 1993, 2001, 2007, and 2011. I, uh, in 93, of course, the famous Brandon Bennett over the top, they're in that inverted wishbone, like a power eye thing, the great Larry Munson called that. Uh, Brian Scott in 2001, after the Dogs had battled back and taken a 9-7 lead, um, Holtz calls a timeout, chunks it in the end zone. That ball could have been picked, too, from Phil Petty. Brian Scott jumps up, catches it, and leaping grab and gets it. The 07 game was weird. Georgia's offense just was not clicking. That football game, Gamecocks played really well defensively. Blake Mitchell hit some timely passes. And Carolina got out of there with a 16-12 win. After that game, Georgia goes on a tear, ends up uh, getting to the Sugar Bowl. Um, I don't think they won. They didn't win the division that year. Tennessee, it was a weird season. Tennessee won the division. I think Tennessee beat the Dogs and the Gamecocks beat the Dogs, and so they ended up winning the division. And – playing LSU in the championship game. But that was a weird win. And and that was that was Spurrier's third year, his first win over Georgia, 16 to 12. Um the defense, Jasper Brinkley and those guys probably are the heroic uh players uh, in that in that year. And of course the Gamecocks started the year in the top ten and then lost out. Um twenty eleven th- that's it's too many, too many heroic performances in that one. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey had a big touchdown catch when the Gamecocks' offense was struggling. Marcus Lattimore was just a, a grown man in that football game. Uh, what can you say about how Melvin Ingram played in that game? Antonio Allen had some heroics. And, of course, a freshman named Jadevian Clowney shook the ball loose from Aaron Murray late. I mean, just a – a crazy good football game uh, to watch. 45-42 was the final in that one. And uh, those are the four wins. So, you know, in 07, you can say the whole defense. But in 93, 2001, 2011, you had a lot of individual heroic performances. And that's what, that's what, that's what it's going to take uh, from the Gamecocks on Saturday. Uh, whether that's Ryan Holinsky, Rico Dowdle, Brian Edwards, Shai Smith, that's what it's going to take for the Gamecocks to have any shot at pulling off the upset or even making it a fourth-quarter game. Some some statistics uh, to sort of run down here. Georgia's defense is really good this year. I think they're better than last year's unit. Um, you know, I, I will say this before we get into these stats. Um, number one, we all know South Carolina's Charleston Southern game skews it a little bit. We all know, you know, Georgia's played Arkansas State and Murray State, so it's not like, you know, they don't have, you know, lesser opponents on their schedule either, you know. So, uh, you know, take these for, with what they're worth. And I, I'm going to say this about Georgia, too. I think the Notre Dame win was big and good. Um, Georgia took control in the second half. I think Notre Dame is a better team than last year's Notre Dame team. Just watching them play, I think they're more athletic. I think they're more experienced. They're stronger. They're tougher. I don't think they make the playoff, but I think they're a lot better, if that makes any sense. Notre Dame got made the playoff last year because they went undefeated against a garbage schedule. 
garbage, garbage. Um, and I think people just had it in their mind that they deserved to make it because they were undefeated, but it was garbage, complete freaking garbage. And I think I think their schedule this year is better, obviously, with Georgia and you know Southern Cal's not a five and seven team and things like that. But I uh, I, I I do think that was a really good win for Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. And you know people kind of oh it's six points, but Notre Dame's good, and, and that was a good win. At home. Other than that, though, and again, I I think people start need to start realizing that that blowing out Tennessee is like blowing out Kentucky used to be. Tennessee's had similar results to Kentucky and Vandy. The last we're going on twelve years now. Okay, so a big old forty three fourteen win in Knoxville, which I thought was a good win because they kind of fell behind early and. I mean, how many times during the Spurrier era at Florida did you see the Gamecocks under Brad Scott go up 14-13 or something like that early, and everybody's excited, and then all of a sudden, yeah. That's the final, 43-14. And they played Vandy, which I think is the worst team in the league if if it's not Tennessee. You know, Tennessee may turn it around, beat Mississippi State this weekend, and heck, there's other games they could win too, but we'll talk about those down the stretch. But right now – Arkansas, Tennessee, and Kentucky are the three worst teams in the league, and I don't know that it's close. I mean, you could even say Arkansas was at least competitive against A&M. Now, that that game's a lot like Tennessee-South Carolina. It's close every year. Um, But, you know, Tennessee has played Florida 34-3, Georgia 43-14. Not even competitive. And so – you know, Georgia's played Murray State and Arkansas State, blew them out, and they've played their two SEC games have been now granted on the road, but you know, in the state of Tennessee, and they beat Vandy thirty to six and the Vols forty three fourteen. I mean, that's that's not like the meat of their schedule. You know, so I, I think South Carolina, outside of Notre Dame, is the best team they've played. So I think it's an important game for Georgia. Um so that's why I'm talking about you know, some of these stats, you know, it may not be that, that they've done all that well. Keep in mind, too, you know, Tennessee – South Carolina's had offensive line issues this year. Tennessee has probably the worst offensive line in, in the league. And maybe if you combined all of Power 5, they may be that bad. I don't know. All right, so total defense, Georgia's 13th in the country, 278.6 yards per game. Gamecocks, 390.8 yards per game for number 68. Obviously, they've had some games where they've given up some yards. Uh, North Carolina and Alabama come to mind, especially Alabama. Rush defense, the Gamecocks are 53rd, giving up 139 a game. It's respectable. Georgia's fifth, 59.6 yards per game on the ground. Vandy is the only team to go over 100 on the dogs on the ground. Passing offense, Georgia's 48th. They don't have to pass a lot. You know, in terms of this is yards per game, 262 yards a game. Gamecock 79th to 28.6. Rushing offense, Georgia's 13th, 250 a game on the ground. Not a surprise. Gamecock's 38th, 203.8. Um, and then they've had the two extreme games. I mean, I think they, what, put 24 yards up on Missouri. Uh, but then they put like 493 up on Charleston Southern. So maybe that averages out. I, I think the Gamecocks run offense has improved this year. 
Um, and, and I think to have a chance against Georgia, they're going to have to put 100. They're going to scr- find a way to scratch out 100-plus rushing yards on the ground. And then passing yards, passing D, you know, Georgia's 63rd, 219 a game. Gamecocks, 97th, 251.8. Tua Tagaviola had a lot to do with that. Um, if you're looking at the total defense numbers, you know, Georgia 13th in the country is among the better defenses the Gamecocks have faced this year. Missouri still sits there at number two in total defense. Um, they have Ole Miss this weekend, so we'll see kind of if that's that holds. Um, I do think that's something that a lot of people didn't realize coming in. You know, you always have things that kind of come out of nowhere. Is that the Missouri defense is good this year? Barry Odom is a defensive guy. You, you sort of expect that Missouri hadn't always been a good defensive school. I mean, under Pinkle, they did have a good defense uh, the years they won the division, but you know they've gotten kind of you know, big score happy and soft on that side of the ball. But I think this year Missouri's defense is actually pretty good. We'll see if it holds. Bama's number 35 in total defense. North Carolina 54th in total defense. I think the Tar Heels have just sort of hung in the balance. All their scores are kind of similar, but Jay Bateman's done a great job up there kind of getting that unit competitive. So so by comparison, that that's it. Missouri, by comparison, in the run defense category is 12th nationally. And, you know, I, I think that's, again, I think Missouri's defense is good. I, I think South Carolina could have gotten more than 25 yards in that game, though, had they not been so RPO heavy earlier. But I want to quit talking about that. That's bad. It gives me high blood pressure to think about that game. I mean, you know, I'll just tell you the story. I, I, I was at a wedding, right? Had to go to a wedding on a game day. Big critical football game, Missouri-South Carolina. You know, Holinsky played well against Bama. There's reason for hope. You know, you start that game off. The defense is all of a sudden playing better, forcing turnovers. And then the offense just craps the bed. You know, after all that good they did against Bama, you know, somebody couldn't figure out that, hey, Ryan Holinsky's a little off. Maybe we should just try to force the run a little bit. Even if they stop us, you know, we still run some clock, get some first downs, defense is playing okay. And then you don't, you know, you go in the locker room at the second time, and if you can make adjustments, which I don't, yeah, sometimes they don't. If you can make adjustments, go make them, and maybe you live to fight another day. Steve Spurrier used to talk about that. Well, we just, just ran the ball and punted because we just lived to fight another day, you know, instead of some of the things that happened. But I, I got to get off that because, you know, I was sitting there, I was, I was – a little salty as it was that I had to be at the wedding, although these are two of my very best friends, and I wouldn't have missed it in the world. And, I'm, and it was a beautiful ceremony, and I had a, I had a blast. I had a great time. It was just, wow, you know, game day, big game. I know all you folks that are on the Big Spur and that listen to the podcast are like, you know, you know, knowing that it's a big game. There's a lot of negativity because of the start. And, Man, it just uh, – ah, and just watching that go down and sitting there in a suit and 88-degree weather in Spartanburg, South Carolina, was just not my idea of fun. But anyway, a lot of, lot of uh, you know, not to throw this out, but a lot of angst and consternation <laughs> on my part uh, just because of kind of the setting and all that. But I'm going to quit talking about the Missouri game. Back to Georgia. Georgia's got a great offensive line. 
Um, it's probably one of the best in football. You know, Thomas and 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 Wilson, and, and I mean those guys, and then inside you got Cleveland. I mean they, they're massive. Um, and South Carolina did struggle a bit with North Carolina's offensive line the first game of the season. Let, let's just chalk that up to a bad game. But North Carolina had a lot of girth, and and this and this group with Georgia. Uh, people ask me the difference between Alabama's O line and Georgia's O line. Bama's O line had some guys like they were now playing their third string center. They've had some injuries on the interior, um, and plus they were just chunking it all over the place anyway with the RPOs. But uh, this offensive line will line up and, and get you. Um, and that brings me to a big key of the game. And I don't really have, not really going to have like five or six sets. I'm just going to kind of go through what I think. And that's the lines of scrimmage. Uh, I think South Carolina, the good news is the Gamecocks are better on the lines of scrimmage than they were in last year's game on defense. I'm going gonna, gonna to get to offense in a second. On the defensive line, if you think about last year's game against Georgia, uh, just a pathetic display of defense in the second half after a bumbling, stumbling, fumbling uh, offensive performance uh, in the first half. Uh, and that was a lot. A lot of that had to do with South Carolina just being undermanned. You know, they would the Gamecocks last year were not going to tackle on the perimeter. That was something that you know those guys just didn't do. Uh, and Jim Cheney, who was the offensive coordinator at Georgia at the time, did a good job of getting that you know getting their guys out in the flat and, and going, and then they just gashed them. And South Carolina, you know, did not have uh the full deck of cards on the defensive line. Now, the good news this year is South Carolina is better on the defensive line and they're better at rushing the passer. Um and I'll talk about that when I talk about Jake Fromm here in a second. Uh you know, Aaron Sterling is playing at a higher level and he surprised me, I'll be honest. I think Enig Barre has come on and you see him starting to flash. Zach Pickens has had good moments. Um, Rick Sandage has had good moments as a reserve. Kobe Smith is playing well. Javon Kinlaw is playing as well as anybody in the country. Uh, and DJ Wanham, I think there's this perception out there, Wanham hadn't played well this year. Well, he didn't play well against Alabama. Alabama neutralized him. But he's played well in every other game. He was one of the few that shined against North Carolina. He didn't have a bunch of snaps against Charleston Southern. He played well against Missouri, and he played really well against Kentucky. So Wanham's coming on. One interesting tidbit, sometimes this stuff doesn't matter, is that Wanham, Kobe Smith, and Aaron Sterling, three of the four starters on the defensive line, they're all from Georgia. They're all Georgia kids. So, uh, you know, sometimes there's something to be said. They're all from the Atlanta area. So sometimes there's something to be said for that. Ernest Jones, also South Georgia kid, starting middle linebacker. But the Gamecocks defensively, Look, it's clear Georgia's offensive line is good. And it's and Georgia's offensive line is capable of neutralizing really good defensive lines. Um, but as I say often, it's unrealistic in the SEC to think any offensive line all the time is going to dominate because the defensive lines are just too good and athletic. You know, now Georgia, like I said, could line up and gash the Gamecocks and Carolina has no shot. But – I do think that, you know, Carolina is much better equipped now than they were last year to compete against this mammoth, athletic, and talented group from Sam Pittman, who I think is the best offensive lineman coach in the country. Georgia's defensive line has a lot of guys, and and they're not they're not like like 
you know, we remember we all talk about Clemson's D line last year. You know, Lawrence and uh, Bryant and uh, those guys, and Farrell and Christian Wilkins. How could I forget him? Um, superstars. Georgia just has a lot of guys, and and Georgia runs kind of a similar defensive scheme to South Carolina. I mean, it's you know they have a lot of multiple fronts. It's based in what Saban. It's probably more similar to what Saban runs um, than you know Muschamp's defense at Carolina, but it's still kind of the same principles, and they'll run a lot at you. And the concern here is you have a true freshman right tackle and a true freshman at quarterback, and so. You know, they have to hold up. Jalen Nichols has to hold up. Now, I've told you a lot for a long time, I think Jalen Nichols is going to be a really good player. But, you know, it's a tall task. And he had some breakdowns uh, mentally uh, against Kentucky that allowed them to get pressure on Holinsky. You don't want Holinsky to just keep getting hit. Um, so that is a massive challenge. Uh, I like this South Carolina offensive line. I think they can compete with Georgia physically. Um, you know, Jovan Gwynn and Jordan Rhodes, I think, have played really, really well this year. Um, and I think, obviously, moving Donnell Stanley back to center was gigantic. You know, the tackles, I think Hutcherson's been, you know, good, not great. And he's had some breakdowns. But um, I, I, think, I think they can – I think they just have to survive. And that is tough against a multiple-front defense – where Kirby Smart, you know, they're at home. They're probably going to send some things after, you know, to get after Ryan Holinsky uh, on, on obvious passing downs, which obviously that could turn into some big plays. You know, and that brings me to Ryan Holinsky. You know, he's got to hang in there and uh, deliver the football and uh, not let the speed of the game get to him. I mean, I, I think that, you know, he needs to play kind of like he played against Bama. Uh, I, I do think that the Gamecocks cannot be that pass happy. I think they have to run it some uh, and probably should have run it more against Bama, to be honest. Um, and and this, this is one thing that I think the Gamecocks' current offensive coordinator and current offensive system, they have to, dis, they have to, they have to go for some balance. And it's almost like they do all of one thing, all of another. And that's the way it's been this year. I mean, they need to get balanced. Um, and the RPO uh, – system or the RPOs that's supposed to achieve that but I think it, it you know defenses have made the game kind of skew one way or the other at times on that and it's cost them games so maybe you run some RPOs sometimes maybe you run you don't run RPOs sometimes maybe you balance it up call it and haul it like they say um, and I think that that you know if you can't call it and haul it then you need to find another play caller and there's one or two up in the booth that, you know, could obviously do the job at a high level. So, um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. So, you know, they need to be able to do that and maintain balance. And Helensky's got to hang in. I, I think the open week is probably good for him. Uh, rest the shoulder up. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to go in there and play tough. This is why you come to South Carolina to go on the road to play the third-ranked team in the country and try and pull a, a big upset. Um but that doesn't mean he won't go down there and it'd be a disaster. I mean, he's a freshman, so that that happens. Um, Shy Smith, and this gets back to the offense. Shy Smith is the one receiver, and and this is nothing against Brian Edwards. Um, and and I think Edwards has played really, really well and hard and tough, and and I like him as a player, and I think it's outstanding. 
But uh, I would um, I would venture to say right now, you know, because I, I think eventually Xavier Leggett's going to be this type of guy. I think Josh Van at some point could be. Josh Smith's the guy that can take a top off of defense. You know, you run all these deep plays to Brian Edwards, and that's fine because you hit on him sometimes, and I get it, and he's capable. But you need to throw some deep passes to Shai Smith. I mean, Shai Smith, this is a player that caught nine passes in the first half against Clemson last year. You know, this is a guy that runs 4-4. This is a guy that, you know, not only is a fast guy, but he's an excellent, you know, he can jump up and make acrobatic catches and stuff like that. And I think they need to – they need to get him involved and see if he can't get a big play. Um, because everybody is going to fo- – they are going to focus on Edwards. I mean, you know, Kirby Smart's a secondary guy. I mean, you don't think they're going to come up – try to come up with a plan to take Edwards out? Well, you, you got other guys. And Shai Smith is a good other guy. I mean, he's made big play after big play. And he's just been underutilized this year. Needs more touches. The run game, Helmer Granahan on the Big Spur pointed out that this is probably – Going to give the Bulldogs one of their biggest tests. The Gamecocks are in the run game. Um, I think you got to have it going, and you know I think you got to have the inside runs on the RPOs. Um, Dowdle, hopefully the ankle's not bothering him. Tavian Feaster, um, especially on the perimeter, you know the little swing pass they like to throw to him actually works. He can make guys miss in the open field. He's running tough. I mean those two guys ran really hard against Kentucky. Maybe even get Mon Denson uh, in there for a little bit. But the run game has to be there and it has to be diverse. And and you know what? Even if you, you, you're you scratching and clawing and eking out 100 yards pass uh, rushing on the day, you know, you, you can't do – I mean, in the last two years, I think the Gamecocks have had 42 and like 34 rushing yards against Georgia. You've got to be able to run it to have any chance. And quite frankly, I think, you know, the Gamecocks' interior offensive line can open some holes. Um, uh, I think Georgia's good on the defensive line, no doubt, but I think the Gamecocks can get some things going, um, certainly. Uh, you know, but I, do I think they can come out and do exactly what they did against Kentucky? No, I think they'll get shut out if they do that because the tape was out, Georgia's preparing for the pin and pulls and, and all that. You know, you got to have some diversity. But, again, it gets back to play calling and setting your players up to be successful and uh, not just doing the same thing over and over or going too far into the extreme one way or the other. Um, but I do think that, you know, the Gamecocks run game, uh, probably Notre Dame – Notre Dame's a little pass-happy. You know, probably since Vanderbilt, it is the best one. Tennessee's not going very far on the ground against a good defensive line, I can assure you of that. You know, and another thing, you know, Tennessee did hit, did hit some passes, um, you know, early in the game. And, you know, you look at Georgia's stats as far as pass defense goes, they're, you know, 63rd in the country. It's not it's not like they are not they don't give up yards through the air. So, uh, Tony Morrell, co-host here on this podcast, did say that uh, – he thinks the Gamecocks have to fine-tune the passing game and maybe pass to set up the run. And I think so, too. And, and I think I think one thing the Gamecocks did a good job of in certain games this year is kind of the quick game. They call it quick game. Hitting Kyle Markway, hitting the quick passes to the backs, that kind of thing. So, you know, we'll see kind of what happens there. Um, the Gamecocks on defense have to disguise their coverages. Uh, can't do what they did against North Carolina. Got to disguise and – Confused Fromm, which is not easy. Fromm is a very smart quarterback. 
Fromm has only been sacked once this year, <laughs> uh, which is amazing. Uh, he gets good protection. He's very accurate with the football. You know, they don't have a big time, like, Big play downfield receiver. Lawrence Cager's good at the jump ball, and he's massive. He's like 6'5". They got good tight ends. You know, they, they've got playmakers, don't get me wrong. Uh, but you can't sit back and, you know, all the time and play one thing and let him pick you apart. The Gamecocks have to kind of be a little mysterious and maybe try to confuse him a little bit. And that's, uh, you know, they got a good de- – Carolina's got a good defensive staff, you know, do that. I mean, obviously – to beat Georgia, you're going to have to slow their run game. And they got four really good backs. So you got to keep them from running it. But if you can solve that on obvious passing downs, you have to kind of mix things up and and do things because Fromm will pick you apart. I mean, you can play really well on first and second down, get into a third and seven, you know, play off coverage, and he's going to you know check down and call an out right at the sticks, first down. You know, and drive alive and all that goodness you did. You know, sorry, Javon Kinlaw and, you know, Ernest Jones. We're just going to do that. I do think South Carolina's linebackers are going to be interesting to watch in this game. I I thought they played really well against Kentucky as a unit. Sherrod Green is playing well. Obviously, I think Ernest Jones obviously is playing well. Brunson's coming along, looks more comfortable. You know, the three-linebacker deal seemed to help them. Um, You know, Georgia's a different animal than Kentucky, but in terms of kind of how they like to play, running the ball, you know, selective passing game, all that, they, they, they scheme-wise, you know, style of play-wise, it's similar. So we'll see what happens there. All right, time for my prediction. I've yammered on long enough, but again, this is the final word. want to invite everybody, by the way. I will not be there, but uh, tomorrow, if you're in the Atlanta area, uh, go to Dive Bar in Buckhead for the Gamecock Bulldog watch party. Doors will open around 11 with kickoff at noon. Go see my buddy Zach. A lot of great Gamecocks. Uh, shout out to Jerry Hampton and those guys. They're going to be there. Um, fans of mine uh, on the podcast. Also want to say, you know, if you have a uh, catering need and you're in the Charlotte area, uh, check out uh, Nana's Porch for all your catering needs. They can do weddings. They can do um, you know, any kind of deal that you want from tailgate packages you come pick up. They're in the Charlotte area. Go to their website, nanasporchclt.com. Uh, tell them JC sent you for that. Also want to thank Flowers Furniture in Darlington. Um, all kinds of great deals on furniture. Over at Flowers Furniture in Darlington, they're open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., free delivery locally. Uh, a lot of great deals. Their mattresses uh, are all double-sided. They're not, none of that one-sided mess. I recently had to buy a bed, and, and I know where they're coming from on that. So Flowers Furniture in Darlington, those are all sponsors of mine, and um, certainly appreciate them, those Gamecock-owned and or operated businesses. All right, prediction for the game. Uh, I, I I don't think that, it's out of the question. The Gamecocks cover the 24-and-a-half. Uh, I sort of see a game with it being a noon kickoff, dogs coming off a big road win, say what you want. You know, going up to Neyland Stadium at night, that kind of environment, that's going to fire a team up a little more than a noon kickoff at home against South Carolina. I think some of the 
you know, Kirby Smart being fired up this week has had to do with he was trying to motivate his team because I think he does realize that outside of Notre Dame, this is the best team they've played, even though the Gamecocks are two and three. Um, and I can see a game where, where Carolina shows up and, and plays physical. If the Gamecocks, and we talked about this, Gamecocks have to be the more physical team. If, uh, if they don't show up and play physical, it's over. I mean, you, you don't beat the University of Georgia during their worst year if you don't show up and play physical. That just, just doesn't happen. I mean, you have to come up and play physical. Um, but I, I think South Carolina can go out and play relatively well. I, I don't think that this is going to be a game kind of like, you know, the Bama game or the Clemson game. Uh, last year where the Gamecocks are lighting up the scoreboard but just can't stop them. Uh, I tend to think the Gamecocks will play pretty decent on defense, uh, and it's going to be the offense that's going to be a struggle uh, down there. Uh, you know, so th- that's my prediction. I mean, I'd be a complete homer if I picked an upset. Uh, a complete homer if I picked a field goal game. Uh, but I do th- I do, so I do think Georgia will win. Uh, I do think the Gamecocks will have some moments, and, and it'll be a game a lot like, you know, the first two times Muschamp and Smart played 2016-2017. You know, Georgia Georgia basically won by seven in 2016, that game that was played on a Sunday. Uh, Oldside's kick went awry at the end. It was 28-14. They ended up getting the two-touchdown win in the 24-10 in 2017. My prediction, Georgia 27, South Carolina 13. Uh, between the hedges in Athens. But you never know what's going to happen. I, I do think that depending on what Florida does against LSU Saturday night, I'm leaning towards still picking the Gamecocks to beat the Gators uh, in Columbia. Um, I think if things go badly, uh, poorly for the Gamecocks in Athens Saturday, uh, and they drop to two and four, that game against Florida is but titanic in terms of this year. Uh, and then if they lose that, the game against Tennessee is titanic in terms, I think, of the, the future of the Will Muschamp era at South Carolina. And certainly, you know, with as much good as Will Muschamp has done um, in terms of getting things right with the roster and, you know, building things and stuff like that, you'd hate to see it happen. But I, I still believe um, that you have to you – can't, you can't sink – you know, you can't sink. We, we, I spent 19 minutes earlier talking about the SEC East and how you have an opportunity. Well, everybody else is moving forward, you know, and, and you can't move backward because you haven't you haven't broken free from the pack yet. And I think that, um, you know, hey, you get to year six or seven and you have a down year where things just don't go right, that's fine. Um, usually, it, it, you know, things are cyclical sometimes, and sometimes recruiting classes don't hit and stuff like that. But this this has not been a, a build that has been, you know, uh, a situation where, you know, he came in and inherited a bunch of great players, and now they've graduated, and, you know, it took him a couple of years to get recruiting going. No, no, no. You have multiple NFL players in your first class. And those guys have been the ones that have been winning football games for you, you know, the last three years. Now, winning football games, you know, and I think people that, you know, want to get immediately back to the Spurrier era and and beat great teams and beat ranked teams and stuff like that, I mean, that's a different subject. But, you know, if you don't have a Brian Edwards, Rico Dowdle, um, 
Sedarius Hutcherson, guys like that, you know, Javon Kinlaw in the 2017 – I mean, you're, you're not winning the games you've won. And all those guys are back. You know, all those guys are back. And true freshman quarterback or not, in year four, you got to have a, a good situation to back up quarterback. And you can't lose North Carolina and Missouri, you know, if, if you're against this schedule, you know. And, and you can't lose those games because of coaching, which is exactly what happened. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think Muschamp and his staff – uh, obviously, getting the Kentucky deal taken care of was huge. Uh, that's been one big criticism, obviously. So, and I think that when you're facing legitimate criticism, you need to start taking arrows out of the opponent's quiver. And not, not that these people are opponents, but out of the critics' quiver. It's hard to say critics' quiver. You got to take arrows out. So, hey, next arrow to take out, beat a ranked team, pull an upset. Hadn't happened since 2016 in terms of the ranking at the time. I I think that that win over Michigan and the win over NC State, you know, those aren't put the Gamecocks in the top ten type of wins, but those are good wins that, you know, Carolina was not as good as either one of those teams uh, in 2017. So hadn't happened in a while, and I think uh, – you know, now or never, you got two games back-to-back here with Georgia and Florida that are obviously going to give you an opportunity. Even if the Gators lose to LSU this weekend, I don't I don't see them falling that far. So we will see what happens. All right, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Please subscribe um, for all the haters that have rated this one star. That's fine. Love you anyway. Thanks for caring. Uh, but we need you guys to go to the iTunes store and rate it, you know, whatever you want to rate it, four or five stars, hopefully. Um, leave a little comment because that helps us. It is a new, brand new podcast. I did not bring any audience over with me from any former Gamecock podcast, so need all the help there you can get. Also, spread the word to your Gamecock buddies. Maybe shoot them an email. You can subscribe on iTunes absolutely free. It gives you a notification when a new episode comes up. Uh, also, we're on Spotify. Uh, and then all over the bigspur.com and 24-7 sports where you can just kind of like SoundCloud used to be where you just use the player and, and you can listen to us that way as well, um, you know, or plug your RSS feed into your podcast port. You know, there's lots of different ways you could do it. Anyway, all right, I'll be back next week. We will see kind of um, how the schedule goes. Probably next week it will be Tony and I, Wednesday, and then – uh, another final word, and then the, the next week maybe there's going to be some little, su- little bit of some surprises uh, for those of you that like these podcasts uh, on Tennessee Week. You know, we'll see kind of how it goes as we continue to expand. Also, check out the JC and Morgan College Football Podcast. It's myself and Mike Morgan from ESPN and the SEC Network. Two episodes a week during football season, we do a kind of a review, big picture, and then a preview. Drop that preview episode today. Uh, Looking around college football this week, a lot of big games name-wise, but a lot of big point spreads too. So we'll kind of see just how big it is. LSU 13-and-a-half against Florida, which I think is kind of interesting. Kind of makes you wonder how healthy Kyle Trask is too. But anyway, I digress. It's been long enough. All right, Gamecocks, have a great weekend. Remember, remember, it's Carolina-Georgia. It's one of the two biggest games on the schedule. I know Georgia's really good. I know – You know, things may not 
turn out well on Saturday, but maybe things do. That's why you play the game. Uh, and just remember, you only get 12 of these a year. Hopefully the game guys get more than 12 this year because hopefully they get to a bowl. Um, but only 12 guaranteed, and there's 365 days in the year. So enjoy game day. There are some good matchups, and certainly uh, the Gamecocks will kick it off right there after game day on ESPN between the hedges. Uh, all right, Tony Morello and I will be back next week. Thank you all for listening. This has been the final word on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Georgia Week.